This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Recently, at the Manchester School of Leadership, we were joined by Simon Brading, who did a few sessions on worship. And in the first of those sessions, Simon was talking about worshipping in spirit and in truth. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you what Simon had to say about worshipping in spirit. You can find the full notes on everything that Simon said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 111. So here is Simon Brading. Now we're going to look at worship together. Um, I've been leading worship, uh, I think I really started when I was 12, in my youth group in Woking, and we led about once a month right through my teens and got involved in leading worship at New Day uh, when I was 19, which is a big big youth festival we run as New Frontiers. And um, I really enjoy leading worship, but over the last 10 years I've had a... um, uh, an equal passion really to teach on worship and teach uh, worship leaders to lead worship um, in the way that is biblical and correct. That's a big passion um, of mine. We do a lot of that at home. That's all right. That's those guys will be around now and then. Um, yeah, a, a big, big passion of mine. We do a lot of that locally in Brighton. We also have a, a big worship conference that we run uh, every June. Um, so yeah, it's a real joy to come up and just spend some time with you guys um hands up just for a way of helping me here um who here leads the church uh in your various kind of different places you lead the church great hands down um who here leads worship regularly you're, you're worship- oh great great handful um who's involved in anchoring leading hosting meetings okay that's great that's that's most of us here okay without further ado i would love us to dive into um Probably one of the most famous passages on worship in the New Testament, John 4, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Um, it's funny, having led worship for quite a few years myself, um, you, you learn this, worship leaders are often looking for the latest um, tips, tricks, things they can do to enhance the worship experience. Worship experience has been a phrase that's come out quite a lot in the last 10 years. And you're looking for, you're always looking for the new song that just brings that experience. Or you're looking for just new production or new video or new things that enhance the worship experience. Um, new bands, new sounds, new genres, new musicians, and new ways of singing, new ways of dressing. How can we enhance the worship experience? And it's funny, it's a funny um, pursuit. But when we come to John 4, uh, verses 23, 24, Jesus doesn't leave us guessing and he doesn't leave us uh, empty wondering what to, what, what, how, what's the answer to that question it's quite clear worship in spirit and worship in truth if you want high voltage electrifying worship experience the two power cables are simply labelled spirit and truth so I want to take some time in the next hour to really get into this passage to see what we can learn from what Jesus is saying Um, I'd love to pray, is that okay? Father thank you so much that your word is living and active and right now as we open it, as we learn uh, from you I want to ask you that you would speak to us 
Uh, I know many of us have probably preached on these verses lots of times before. Thank you, Father, for a room of worshippers, just my friends here, brothers and sisters who love you dearly. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, we even learn from this verse that you're seeking worshippers, that you care about our lives, you're looking at us. And God, we just say this afternoon, would you speak to us? Oh, God, who's not um, dumb, thank you, you have a voice. And I want to pray that you would speak. I want to ask you that you would refresh us. I want to pray, Father, for those who are tired and weary or even feel like they're in a battle right now, even a battle with worship team and just worship, if this is a painful subject for some, I want to ask you, gentle Spirit of God, would you come and just bring refreshing, strengthening, um, faith, a renewed sense of just faith and vision for what we're about and what we're building. So we just pray this in your name, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we're going to look at spirit and truth this afternoon. Um, I think at this point it's worth saying there is an intrinsic connection between spirit and truth. Sometimes you, you try and divide those things like we're going to look at spirit today and truth tomorrow, but they are very connected. Uh, the, the Hebrew word for spirit, which I'm sure you all know because you're well-trained pastor Ruach, um, also can be as accurately translated as breath or wind of God. In the Old Testament, where you see spirit, it can be translated breath. Um, in the New Testament, any one of the Greek words for spirit? Pneuma, yeah, with a silent P. Uh, pneuma, if you don't roll with that. Um, but also, that can be translated breath of God. What do we learn from that? Well, everywhere we see in, this, in the word of God, the word spirit, it means breath. That means that spirit and truth are as closely linked as breath is to speech that whatever you the word is spoken the spirit is there the breath is there when we're looking at worshiping spirit and truth looking at the word of god the spirit of god these two things do go hand in hand they're close together they aren't to be separated or or divorced so but i would like to focus a bit more more on uh, worshiping spirit um first but obviously we're going to touch on truth even as we do that and vice versa uh, so, worship spirit. Jesus, should we read this passage together? I didn't actually bring a Bible with me. Um, does anybody want to read out? Uh, no, you go for it. You read it. John 4. Do you want to read um, 22, 23? So you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. For the hour is coming, but it's now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship. Beautiful. The hour is coming is now here where true worshippers, I love that, true worshippers, almost hints like there's a worshipper, then there's true worshippers. I don't know what that fully means, but I want to be a true worshipper. True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such worshippers. I love the fact that God is seeking worshippers. It doesn't say he's seeking um, converts or seeking big churches, or seeking bums on seats, or even just seeking worship. He's seeking worshippers. He's after people with hearts and lives and stories and testimonies and journeys. He's seeking individual uh, worshippers. But we're going to look at this, we'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So Old Testament, let's go back before Matthew. How did they worship God then? 
Uh, they didn't worship God in spirit. They, what they did is they worshipped in flesh, to contrast it to what this is saying. Uh, Old Testament was more about physical acts of worship, sacrifices, you know, singing to God at a distance because of our sin. But it wasn't worship in spirit. It was worship in our, in our fleshly bodies. And um, obviously, God, we know God's presence was confined to a small box. The ark, uh, hidden behind the thick curtain of the Holy of Holies in a temple, um, didn't have public access. As we know that the heart of the gospel on the cross, Jesus completely removing the barrier of sin. What's the next thing that happens? The curtain in the temple was torn in two. Uh, we read it in lots of places in Mark 15. Um, but in the, in the kind of biggest twist of events... Um, God made his presence that was so removed and so like, I'm holy and I want to be amongst you and with you, but you can only come so far. God made his presence in that moment. He tore a curtain in half that once where his presence was in a ark <coughs> or in a temple, you know, and they're made of stone. Uh, now we're in a temple, his spirit made of humans, made of human hearts. His spirit lives inside us. When you become a Christian... The Father places his spirit inside of you. Your actual body becomes a temple for his Holy Spirit. I know you know, know this stuff. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. One of the ways I often illustrate this with our, our team when we teach this, does anybody remember like Windows 95? You guys had that? Windows 98. I taught this recently for interns. Some of them weren't even born in Windows 98. I'm like, what happened there? Oh gosh, I felt very old all of a sudden. Um, I remember like you had a Windows 95 PC or, or laptop. Um, and those were the days like, before Wi-Fi even, really. It was like dial-up or a modem. You remember that? Um, if we had right here a Windows 95 laptop, um, and I wanted to get a message to uh, someone in the other room, um, there's, there's no way I can email it to them um, even though there's Wi-Fi here, you guys see that? There's free Wi-Fi here, you can get the code, type it in. Why? Because this laptop doesn't even have Wi-Fi built into it. It doesn't have the facility to do that. How am I going to get a message to that person? I could hook it up to a printer, I could print it out, I could walk it around and give it to them. Um, but, you and I know, you can go and buy like USB Wi-Fi dongles. I could go and find one of those, I could put it on this laptop, and all of a sudden I can connect to the network... And I can actually connect to that person over there. I can email backwards and forwards all day if I wanted to. We've got a connection. What's going on there? When we become Christians, we are flesh, but the Spirit comes and gives birth to His Spirit inside of us. It's like He's putting a, a Wi-Fi dongle inside of us, a Spirit, like USB dongle. Suddenly, we have the ability to connect with God. Before, our worship is there, but it's in a flesh sense. Um, but all of a sudden, we can connect with God by the Spirit. God is Spirit. It says, uh, God is Spirit. It's the stuff He's made of. He is a spirit person. Remember that? Like, yes, Jesus is a man, but the Father and God is his spirit. It's like the stuff he's made of. Being born of the spirit means you're able to connect with him in this like, native form. Worship goes beyond just a fleshly activity of singing, and that is your voice box and oxygen and movement of your voice cords. But there's something spiritual going on because we've been born of the spirit. So like I speak in English, I record music in Logic, and I type essays in words, you worship God in spirit. It's what he's made of. And um, New Testament worship, which he's saying here, is not in the flesh. Yeah, there are fleshly elements to it, but it's in the spirit. 
John 4, 24, God is spirit. His worshippers must worship him in spirit. It's interesting, whenever you see Jesus says the word must, you know, God, what are you saying here? Uh, They must worship him in spirit. So Jesus is announcing here to this woman, this is the end of external, physical, law-based worship, but it's the dawn of a spiritual, heavenly encounter, a grace-based worship. So, Here's three things this means, um, true preacher fashion. I've got three points for you on worship in spirit. Um, three things the Holy Spirit does as we gather to worship um, as a community and in our lives scattered. Number one, the Holy Spirit reveals God, reveals God. Uh, everyone here, we have physical eyes. You're looking at things around the room at me right now. Uh, you shut your eyes, you see nothing. You open your eyes, you see things. Uh, Paul prays in uh, Ephesians 1.19, I pray the eyes of your heart would be opened. There's some different set of eyes here. There's heart eyes and there's physical eyes. What's going on? Um, when the eyes of your heart are opened, you see things in the spiritual realm. Who opens the eyes of your heart? It's the Holy Spirit. He brings revelation. And I can read in the scriptures, um, God loves me. Yeah, yeah, he loves me. I can read it, God loves me. Yeah, that's great. I can read it and the Holy Spirit reveal it to me, God loves me. It's like, oh, God loves me. The Holy Spirit reveals things us to, our, to our inner man, to our inner person, uh, in a way that we can't. We can't do that. Um, the Holy Spirit does that. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to open these new spiritual eyes and continually reveal Jesus to us. You read this, don't you, in John 16, a bit of the the job descriptions of the Holy Spirit, what he does. And one of the glories of New Testament worship is we get to see Jesus again and again and again. And often used to wonder, I wonder what it would be like for the disciples to just do life with Jesus, to spend three years with him, to wake up, have breakfast with him, be with him day to day, hear what his sense of humour was like, all those things. Um, But now by the Spirit, I get to see that same Christ. I get to see him afresh. I get to see him, not just like see him last month, but I get to see him regularly. One of the glories of New Testament worship, we get to see him again, and that causes our hearts to come alive and to pump with worship. So worship isn't some external, just act of the will. You should worship me. Okay, God, I better, I guess I should. No, when you, when, when you see him, when he shows you what he's like, boy, does it make your heart want to worship him. That's what God has done. You know, Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, the law, you shall worship me. You shall love me of all your heart, mind, soul, strength. That's the law. That's law-based worship. Oh yeah, gosh, we should worship. The message has come out. We need to love God. What's the New Testament? Uh, What's God opened up for us? I will come into your hearts. I will win you. I will show you what I'm like. I'll persuade you of me. I will show you something beautiful. You find your heart comes alive you you want to worship you want to grace makes you want to seeing christ makes you want to worship him drawing out true love and worship inside you so um number one the spirit reveals god we're looking as we gather together as leaders church leaders anchors hosts we're looking in worship times to see god sometimes you might look around the room and think oh man no one's really worshiping right now or was that just my church? Do you ever have that? 
One of the questions you should be asking is, um, what are we showing people of God, even in the song lyrics? How much revelation have we brought to people? What have we given in terms of lyrics, and um, which I'll come to this in the next section, and just scriptures for the Holy Spirit to work with? The Spirit loves to reveal Jesus. When we see him, we worship. We just do, because he's beautiful. So that's the first one. Number two, the Spirit manifests God. Uh, manifests. Um, just to, obviously, as an interesting word, there's a sense where God is present everywhere, um, but the Holy Spirit makes you aware that God is right here with you. We know God's omnipresence. Um, there's a difference between his omnipresence and his manifest presence. There's a, 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 a tangibility and an awareness. God's here by his spirit. You, you can always feel him. And um, it's, it's slightly t- um, subjective language, isn't it? Man, like feeling the presence of God. And I don't know if you've been in a meeting where you've, you've strongly felt the presence of God. And actually somebody two seats away from him hasn't felt anything. All the other way around. Somebody looks like they're in heaven. And you're like, nah, I've got nothing. I'm sure you're here, but I'm not feeling you in quite the same way. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he makes us aware God's here. We get to feel him. You know, before there was a curtain made by bricks, but now uh, 1 Corinthians, our bodies are a temple. He lives inside of us. We get to feel and know his presence. And just even that, um, we are bodies of temples. We carry God in us. We're a home for him. And um, the same spirit that was in Christ on earth is, is inside of us, helping us worship the Father, helping you know on the inside you're a son, you're a daughter. You know, Jesus makes you a son. The Holy Spirit makes you feel that you're a son. He brings the, the, the feeling, the love of God in a, in a tangible way. He helps you to know God's closeness, his nearness. Um, and so just, just personally, in your own walk with God, you don't have to go and get behind a curtain. You don't have to go and sacrifice a bull and a lamb. We don't have to do that. Those days are gone, and we don't have to wait for one time in the year to feel the manifest presence of God. We actually have access all the time. Our mediator to the presence of God is Christ, not music, not worship times it's actually Jesus so we don't need to be on a Sunday worship time to enjoy the presence of God we actually have that all of the time um, you just stop for a moment it's what you read in Hebrews it says draw near let us draw near with a true heart let us draw near there's a sense you can just in any moment in your day just stop for a moment and just draw near in your heart to him you start to feel his presence you feel his spirit you haven't done that Christ did that it's the glory of the New Testament. We're men and women in Christ, with Christ in us. We get to draw near and enjoy his spirit whenever we want. But not just personally, there's a corporate sense. We're living stones together. Ephesians 2.22 says, In him, Christ, you're being built together as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Why are we being built together in the church? One of the reasons is that we're a dwelling place for this Holy Spirit to be amongst us. It's not just you've been built together. In him, it says at the start of that verse, Ephesians 2, 22, in Christ, it's like these living stones are kind of coming together for a dwelling place for God. 
What does that mean? It means when we, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, whatever time your services are, 10 o'clock, 10.30, what is God wanting to do? He wanted to draw together these living stones. He wants to build you together. Why? So he can be amongst you. Churches are dwelling places for God. We feel it tangibly, I guess, in worship times, um, partly because of the emotion of, of music, which I can touch upon a bit later. Um, but it's not just that. In preaching, in communion, in community, we should be experiencing the presence of Jesus. Um, just to hold far on here for the moment, going back to what I said at the beginning about worship leaders' pursuit for the worship experience. And we're looking for the latest songs, looking for the arrangements, the bands, whatever it's going to be to make it amazing. Jesus is saying here, hey, worship in spirit, I'm amazing. When I come to you, you know about it. When a man and a woman encounters the living God, hearts are changed. Tangible, real experiences of him. And um, how, many to- how many times have you been in a meeting where at every other level it's unimpressive there's, there's the band unrehearsed you know the, the production's not very impressive um, the guy's singing out of tune but in the middle of that moment you meet with God powerfully I've, I've had that many times and it's just a beautiful smack in the face that this is about your spirit this is about a spiritual encounter with you guys who are leading worship girls who are leading worship um, don't confuse um, emotion with spiritual encounter. There's a lot more to say on this too in the worship and truth thing. Um, yeah, we, we, we can get confused with those two. And almost like music is so emotional, isn't it? Anyway, particularly if you, if you have big musical highs. And the ways in which a lot of our modern worship songs are written, they are written and arranged to do that. You know, How many songs have at the end of verse 2, the last line goes up an octave? My anchor holds within a veil. My anchor holds within a veil. Your love goes further still. Yes, your love goes further still. I've done it with my songs. Loads of songs do that. Why is that? There's an emotion that comes from just singing something loud. But we mustn't confuse singing something loud of emotion as spiritual encounter. They, they are two different things. I'm not saying that you can't have a spiritual encounter through that moment. We can talk about that in a minute. But I'm just saying to, just to be careful to not confuse or link the two too heavily. Because then begin to think, oh, the way in which I really meet God is through those moments. That's just not true. We meet God through Christ, by the Spirit. So... But we are looking for a spiritual encounter, and we can talk about how we use music in a minute. Um, We're looking for the genuine presence of God. Gordon Fee says this, Presence is a delicious word, because it points to one of our truly great gifts. Nothing else can take the place of presence. Not gifts, not telephone calls, not pictures, not memories, nothing. Ask the person who has lost a lifelong mate... What they miss the most. Sorry. The answer is invariable presence. When we are ill, we don't need soothing words nearly as much as we need loved ones to be present. What makes shared life? 
games, walks, concerts, outings, and a myriad of other things so pleasurable, presence. God has made us this way in his own image because he himself is a personal, relational being. God's not a loner. God's a, he's, a, he's a community. He's a trinity. He's made Father, Son, Spirit. We're made in his image. Because of that, we're actually made to enjoy presence. When we're getting up to lead people in worship, host and anchor meetings, I'm looking to lead people to encounter the presence of God. Number three, um, the Holy Spirit edifies us. In the process of us worshipping the Father and pouring out our devotion on him, bringing our love and affection to him, enjoying him, loving him, um, he loves to come to us and edify us. And that can't be right. Worship's for you. It's about you, Jesus. This is all for you. But grace comes back to us and says, I want to make you well. I want to bless you. I want to edify you. I want to encourage you. In that sense, worship isn't actually a one-way street. It's not that God worships us. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in the process of, of putting Christ and God first in our hearts, something actually happens to us. It's edifying to us. And the Holy Spirit loves to do that. He loves to build us up. And um, through the opening eyes of our hearts, through, through ministering, bring, bringing truth to us, um, he loves to edify us. Obviously, this is through spiritual gifts. Uh, I don't know how these outwork out in your church, your community, the different contexts. But one of the main reasons we have spiritual gifts um, in these ways is for our edification, for our edification. Not for God's edification. He doesn't need edifying. Like he's the case, he is. It's actually for us. So he comes to give gifts to us through his spirit. A powerful tongue and interpretation that creates shockwaves in a room. Like, oh wow, that's to edify and build you up. That's a gift from God. That one's on me. Here you go. Be edified. This is what I'm like. Wow. A prophetic word spoken by by the spirit in, in good measure. That's a gift to his church, just to build us up. It's not just a, a trick or just something to, to find some emotion. No, it's to genuinely to build us up. So the glories of just New Testament worship, we're not worshipping like in flesh on its own. There's a whole spiritual dimension here. We gather together where we, where we can experience true, genuine revelation of God. We can experience true um, power and manifestation of his spirit. And we can be edified by him. Now, stop and pause for a moment. Um, I guess I'm particularly talking to worship leaders, but actually I think this is for all of us. If you let these things sink down into your heart and just, just ponder them for a little bit, they actually help um, bring a lot of liberty and freedom to your leading and take the pressure off. Why is that? Because really, as a worship leader, you can only go so far. I can't actually get inside Tim's heart and reveal Jesus to Tim. I can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So really, like in that moment, who is actually the worship leader? The Spirit of God is revealing worship, is revealing God to Tim. Tim's natural, unstoppable response is worship. And why that takes the pressure off is sometimes as worship leaders and leaders who are leading meetings, we can get into a slight frenzy where we're trying to make something happen, trying to bring the goods, trying to just make the church worship. 
as much as I can, I can't make you worship. I can't. As much as you can, you can't make your congregation worship. What can we do? Well, we can be excellent shepherds and leaders and lead their hearts into the truth of who God is and trust the Holy Spirit to lead people. And he loves to. You don't have to persuade the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, so I found, as I've understood the role of the Holy Spirit in, in, in preaching, in leading worship, in, in leading meetings, actually bring just a sense of peace and just relaxing a lot more. I think before, like, you know, and you're growing in these things, you, you can think, oh, what if it doesn't happen today? What if God doesn't come? What if he doesn't show up? What if God doesn't come? Did he not say in like Matthew 28, I will not leave you or forsake you? Sometimes the language we can use around the Holy Spirit can be a little bit like, oh, he's gone. He's just not here. That's just not true. Are you in Christ or not? I'm in. Is he building you together as a living stone for a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? Yes, he is. He's not changed his mind on that. He's here. Whether or not you felt him in that moment, that might be up for grabs, but he's certainly here. Sometimes even with, with, uh, with the band, you know, like we, the way we've used the keyboard over the last sort of few years, it's like the holy sort of pad that when, when you dial that in, just God comes. Do you know he was already there? Do you know when you get to the end of that final song, just before you, you know, go to the preach and, and, the, and the music stops, it's not like God's left the room? Oh, wasn't that a wonderful time in God's presence? Well, where is he now? <laughs> He's still here. And um, we have to be careful even with some of our language just around that. Because you end up teaching people that the preach isn't the presence time. That's not right. The preach, the Holy Spirit is revealing God as much, if not more, through the preach than the worship time. We should be looking for as much spiritual encounter through preaching as we should just through singing. We should be looking for that. When we lead people into communion, I mean, that's another tangible thing, hey? Bread and wine is physical and tangible for a reason. As we're taking the bread into our stomachs, it's reminding us that Christ is in us, he's inside of us. As surely as the bread and wine are touching our teeth, as surely as our sins are forgiven, he's here as a spiritual encounter in that moment. It's not a music thing, it's a Holy Spirit thing. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Simon had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 111. And we hope you join us next time where we'll bring the concluding part of this session where Simon talks about worshipping in truth. See you next time.